Welcome to the 44th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Today we're doing a full breakdown of UFC Fight Night, Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos. After that, we're going to touch on some of the biggest news in the world of MMA, and that is going to include John Jones, because we haven't talked about John Jones since his arrest last weekend. And we're going to touch on some of the fight announcements that have happened in the UFC. There are quite a few of those, and we're going to end it off by looking forward to next week's fight card, which is headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez. So let's get started. Right off the top, we had Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos. And this wasn't um, the best fight card, and it wasn't the best fight in the main event. Didn't quite live up to what we were billed. Still a great fight, but um, it wasn't the craziness that we were expecting, and that is largely a part to Johnny Walker's style and uh, the game plan he had coming in. Very intelligent game plan, but just didn't serve to um, what the audience's expectations were coming in, which is fine. Um, but regardless of that, I still scored this fight 3-2 for Tiago Santos. Um, I thought he had three really good rounds that he won very clearly. One of those, he even had a knockdown in. That was the fifth round. And then he picked up a couple other rounds in there with some impressive work. He was landing the heavier shots in those rounds. So I think it was a good decision. I think he clearly won. And Tiago Santos had some pretty good moments, moments we didn't see in the Rajic fight which, you know, that was only a three-round fight, so that could be part of it. But um, I think this was a better version of Tiago Santos that we saw in this fight than we have seen in previous fights. And I, I think you could say the same for Johnny Walker. I think this new style that Johnny Walker came in with is much more repeatable. And I understand that a lot of people were disappointed just because he, Johnny Walker has always been an unorthodox knockout artist and he has kind of reined that back a little bit. And I think, like I said earlier, I think that's good for career longevity, excuse me. But um, it doesn't give us much for excitement. And, you know, that's okay for Johnny Walker. Um, I do think he needs to pick up the level of attack just a slight bit. I think he's just a little bit, little bit behind where he needs to be. But I think we're getting closer to... Um, a prime Johnny Walker, because I would argue that Johnny Walker is not yet in his prime. So, um, with this fight, I was actually impressed with both Santos and Walker. Um, but what is next for Tiago Santos? The next thing I have for Tiago Santos, in my opinion, would be Anthony Smith. I say that just because Tiago Santos just beat the number 10 ranked guy, Yep, the number 10 ranked guy and Anthony Smith just beat the number 11 ranked guy. Right now, they're ranked 5th and 6th. They're right next to each other, and they are on similar career paths. You know, they each lost to the champ, went on a little bit of a slide, lost some fights in there, and they're now starting to work their way back up. And I think that it would make sense to pair those two up against one another. And realistically, I think the winner of that would only be Mm, probably just, I, I guess it would have, we'd have to see where this division goes or moves going forward, but um, that that fighter would probably only be one um, more fight at the most 
away from a title fight if you booked Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. So they're both, they that would put them right up in contention for a title. And I think it would make sense for both guys. And then for Johnny Walker, similar, um, similar mindset here. Um, Ryan Spann, I think, would make sense. Johnny Walker was number 10, lost. Ryan Spann was number 11 and lost. And those are also two guys who I think are up-and-comers in this division. I think uh, Ryan Spann's a little bit older, but I don't think that Ryan Spann has reached the maximum potential that he has in MMA. So I'd like to see Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann, and then the winner of that is going to be working their way back up into the top 10 afterwards. I think both of those fights make sense. I'm not, you know, 100% wouldn't move on that. I think there are some other names you could throw out there that would make sense, like a Dominic Reyes, for example, or you've got you've got Vulcan Ozdemir and Megabed Ankalev. A winner and loser for um, in that fight would make sense for um, Santos or Walker, depending on obviously who wins, who loses. So I think there are um, there is some wiggle room there. I don't think that's defined and has to be the the next direction for Walker and Santos, but I think those are probably the two best options as of right now. And moving on to Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dowskis. This was a really interesting fight. And before we even start talking about the headbutt, I want to talk about what we saw before the headbutt. So leading into the headbutt, we saw um, we saw Kevin Holland, who showed improved wrestling ability and takedown defense. And is it where it needs to be to beat some of the top-level guys? No, but I think we did get better, and I and that could be in part due to the drop in the level of competition. Now, Kyle Dowskis is a great wrestler and, and can go out there and wrestle you, and he's a very good grappler, but he is not on the same level as Derek Brunson or Marvin Vittori. Now, despite that, I do would still say that we saw improvements from Kevin Holland. One of the areas where I think we saw the most improvement was his balance. That was the thing that stood out to me most. You know, there were a lot of situations there where Kevin Holland was very, very close to getting taken down, taken down, excuse me, but he stays on his feet. He had really, really strong balance, like I said, and that was what allowed him to not get get taken down on two or three instances. There was one instance where um, Dowskis was able to get him down to a knee and Kevin Holland stood up immediately. That is exactly what you need to do in that situation. So I think we saw some very improved wrestling prior to that headbutt. And then the headbutt itself was incidental, you know, but it is an illegal strike. So I can't believe that Dan Mergliata did not hop in and stop that, not stop it, but break that fight up and give Kevin Holland the five minutes to recover that he would have had. I mean, it was a very blatant headbutt. There was no, there was no, um, there was, I don't think there was an angle where you could even make an argument that that was a, a punch or a strike that caused that knockdown. So I don't know what Dan Mergliata saw that prevented him from stepping in and breaking that fight up. Um, also, it looked like he was going to step in, but then when Kyle Dowskis started raining ground and pound onto Kevin Holland, that, you know, is 
is even stranger because he was going to step in. And then when Dowskis starts attacking more is when he backs off and doesn't step in. So I don't understand what he was thinking in that situation. I think it was not the greatest piece of refereeing. And then when the fight continues, like I said, Dowskis landed some ground and pound, had some nice transitions, worked submissions, and eventually gets the submission. Now, what's tough for me is because Kyle Dowskis did win those exchanges after the headbutt. However, he had an advantage with Kevin Holland being, you know, in a damaged state, I would say. And he was able to damage him further with the ground and pound. And those ground and pound shots came off the headbutt. So I think this fight had to have been stopped at the headbutt. But I, I like the decision of a no contest. And I don't think it's fair to give a guy a loss who get, gets hit with a headbutt and then finished in that same round. If that fight goes on to the next round and we don't see a finish, um, then obviously the decision would stand. But when you're that close to the illegal strike and the finish, just make it right and call it a no contest. I think that is the right decision, but I don't think we should have had to have made that decision like I said. I think if Dan Mergliata breaks that up and Kevin Holland continues and it's a big difference. There's a big difference between getting hit with a headbutt, getting a moment to recover, and starting in a neutral position than getting hit with a headbutt and then immediately getting followed up with ground and pound. So at the end of the day, I like the no contest call, but this fight needs to be refereed a lot better. And I think moving forward with both of these guys, I think we need to run this back. It's just one of those fights. Almost every time there's a no contest, it needs to be ran back. This is one of those instances. So run this fight back, hopefully soon. I don't think either guys, well, Kevin Holland took damage quite a bit because he did get knocked out. But Dowskis should be good. Kevin Holland's the type of guy to be ready to fight soon. I hope we can run this back soon and get a more conclusive finish. And then the last fight that I'm going to talk about, and I'm not even going to go into detail on this fight, is Cowboy Oliveira and Nico Price. I just wanted to shout this out because it was 100% fight of the night. And these two guys went in there and gave us exactly what we were expecting. And they went to war. And Nico Price and Cowboy Oliveira are two guys who are in interesting spots because I wouldn't make a case that either of those guys are top-level talent and are going to make a run at the belt. But at the same time, when you put on fights like that, you're going to stay in the UFC. And they are probably going to be in the UFC for a long time as long as they continue that fighting style. Nico Price especially. Because Nico Price, he'll get you in a war, but he also has a good grappling base behind it. He's not someone who, you know, he's not that guy who's a brawler, but you know, couldn't, can't grapple a lick. Nico Price has some really good wrestling background, or excuse me, a, a really nice grappling background. And I think that showed in that fight. So both these guys, really talented guys who I don't know if they can get into um, the top echelon, especially at 170 pounds. But I do think we're going to see a lot more fun fights from guys like Nico Price, like Cowboy Oliveira. Um, like Cowboy Cerrone even, like Robbie Lawler. I think that's the kind of echelon that we're seeing here. Michelle Pijeda, 
Chaos Williams, those type of guys have a little bit more top of the division star potential, but I think right now they're still in that echelon of fighter who's going to give you a really fun fight and has real skills. So I didn't really want to go in detail there, but that was something that I did want to kind of touch on a little bit before we got off of UFC Fight Night, Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos. And those are the only three fights I'm going to talk about. Um, just a quick roundup from the other things we saw. Um, Jopko had a pretty good win. Um, that fight wasn't the most exciting, but uh, he was able to go out there and get a win. So hopefully he can be active and get some more wins. Casey O'Neill got another win against Antonia Shevchenko. Casey Neal is a... Good prospect at women's flyweight, and I'm excited to see what she does in the future. And then at women's bantamweight, Beth Cohea had her last fight against um, Carol Rosa. That fight, um, I mean, I don't know why people act like they like Beth Cohea now that, you know, she's retiring because she's been one of the most hated fighters in the sport for a long, long time. And so I don't understand why people now pretend like they care that she's retiring because she's been getting disrespected for the longest time by fans. But regardless, um, just wanted to uh, say that she was retiring and that was her last fight. So those are all the things off UFC Fight Night Santos versus Walker I wanted to touch on. And then we're going to move forward to the news portion. And in this portion, we're going to talk about John Jones's arrest to lead it off. After that, we have about 10 to 15 fights that were announced over the last week, and I will talk about those. Probably won't go in detail on each fight, but we'll talk about each fight at least a little bit. So that's what you can expect in this news portion. Now, to lead it off, like I said, John Jones got arrested. I believe he got arrested on Sunday, or the news came out on Sunday, maybe. I think it, the news came out on Sunday shortly after... I recorded actually, so we didn't talk about John Jones's arrest last week, and it's kind of old news because it is a week old. But I'll still touch on it. Basically, um, I think this this incident here because it is a domestic violence incident. So this incident is a lot different than a lot of his prior things, um, because like I said, it is domestic violence and it is. Um, his children were involved and his fiance was involved. So I think that makes this a lot more of a of a sore subject to um to talk about. In the past, a lot of John Jones's incidents, he's really just been shooting himself in the foot and hasn't really been damaging others aside from the hit and run he was in with the uh, pregnant woman. But other than that, he was really just, you know, getting arrested for DUIs, you know, driving too fast, um, um, shooting a gun off in the air while drunk and then drove and got another DUI. So, you know, those obviously aren't good things, but they aren't, you know, he isn't actively hurting someone, like I said, aside from the hit and run. Now, this is obviously a lot different because he did, um, abuse his fiance and his children were there to witness that 
So I don't know exactly how the UFC should handle this. And I don't want to be the person to sit here and say, oh, the UFC should do this with John Jones. Or the UFC should do that with John Jones. Um, I think John Jones needs to worry about John Jones and getting his act together right now. I think fighting should be put um, in the rearview mirror at the moment. Because right now, John Jones doesn't really have anything going for him in the in the landscape of MMA. You know, he doesn't have a belt to worry about. He's trying to make this transition to heavyweight that he's been teasing for a long time. So now would be the perfect point in John's life for him to put work in to improve upon himself and his personal life as he doesn't have all the same pressures of being a UFC champion. So hopefully he does that and hopefully he changes things in his life so he can see improvements. I don't really have much else to say about John Jones because I don't want to sit here and go in detail with exactly what he did. I don't want to sit here and, you know, critique him or, you know, try and defend him. Neither of those seem very beneficial. So I just hope that he can take this time that he is taking off to work on himself. So I'm going to leave it at that. Now, um, to a lot less sore subject and a lot more exciting subject, we have news inside of the UFC, and that is the fight announcements I was just talking about. So we're going to start it off, and there is no particular order to these. These are in the order of the way they were released. So the first one that I saw during the week is the first one on the list. So for you guys listening, um, we're really just going at a random order. All right, first fight, Jared Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. I love that this fight was announced. This fight was announced for January 22nd. Now, I think this is the perfect matchup for both Brunson and Cannonier. Right now, looking at that division, we still don't know when Adesanya is going to take on Robert Whitaker. We can assume that that fight is happening. Cannonier and Brunson are 3-4 and four in the rankings. Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori are two and five and they are fighting soon i think they're fighting in they're fighting this month two to three weeks i don't remember the exact date but that fight is coming up soon so cannonier and brunson i think this fight makes a lot of sense and i think that would put them in reality what we're probably going to see is we're probably going to see the fighter with the best performance right so if paulo costa goes in there and knocks out marvin vittori in 35 seconds you know the chances of him at getting that title fight are going to be a lot higher than if Derek Brunson goes in there and um, grapples Cannonier for 25 minutes. So I think for Cannonier, Brunson, Vittori Costa, I think these both of these fights are fights that make a lot of sense. And I think the next title challenger after Whitaker is going to be determined based off who has the best performance between those four and maybe even they might they might pair up the winners that is a possibility um that would obviously depend on when this Adesanya and Whitaker fight takes place if it takes place in January that would be less likely but if it takes place in March or May that would be far more likely so I think we're gonna have to wait before we uh know for sure on that and then the next fight is Chris Dauskas versus Derek Lewis. Now, this is one of the more surprising 
fights that were announced. Chris uh, Dauskas went in there and had a very good performance against Shamil, but I didn't expect them to throw Chris Dauskas in there with someone like Derek Lewis. I thought they were going to give him an easier slide into the top six in that division. I think he earned a fight against a high-named guy. I thought that fight was going to be Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I didn't expect him to get into the octagon so soon, accept the fight so soon after his win. I think he won on Saturday and accepted the fight by Tuesday, I think the timeline was. And that's going to take place on December 18th. Now, like I said, I was expecting Jorginho Rosenstrike. Do I hate the fact that they booked him with Derek Lewis? I'm going to say no. It isn't my favorite, but at the same time, Derek Lewis did just lose his most recent fight, and there really isn't much for Derek Lewis right now because um, I don't think Stipe would take that fight with Derek Lewis. I don't think they'd be looking at the rematch with Blades and Derek Lewis. I don't think they'd be do the rematch with Lewis and Volkov, and Volkov has a fight booked anyways. Rosenstrike versus Derek Lewis doesn't make a lot of sense. So this makes a level of sense because Chris Dauskas has looked very, very good, and he is rising in this division. So I was surprised, but when you sit back and look at why this fight was booked, I think it makes a lot more sense, and I think this is actually going to be a really good fight. So I'm excited to see that. And then the next fight we had booked, which was also surprising, Alexei Olenek versus Greg Hardy. That is going to take place on January 22nd. Now, this fight, I don't know why exactly they made this fight. Uh, it, it really doesn't make any sense at all to why they make this fight. Um, Alexei Olenek versus Greg Hardy is these are two guys just outside the rankings at heavyweight. And I thought they were going to keep giving Greg Hardy fights against guys like Tai Tuivasa, who would go in there and throw with him. I didn't think they were going to give him another grappler. So if Alexei Olenek can get his hands on Greg Hardy, um, there's a good chance that uh, he can find that submission. So I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. I find watching Greg Hardy very interesting as much as he is not a great person, some of his fights can be very entertaining to watch. Now, moving forward, we had Corey Sandhagen versus Piotr Jan that we talked about last week. Um, that was the Corey Sandhagen was the rumored name. Now that name is official. We are going to get Corey Sandhagen versus Piotr Jan for the interim belt on October 30th. I'm not going to go into detail on whether I like that or dislike that because I did talk about that last week. So I'm not just going to sit here and say the th same thing because my mindset has not changed. So, But if you missed that, I was a fan of that. Also in the bantamweight division, we had Rob Font versus Jose Aldo get announced for December 4th. This is a perfect fight announcement. If we go to those rankings at bantamweight, you see Aljamain Sterling is out injured. Then we've got Piotr Jan versus Corey Sanhagen. We've got TJ Dillashaw out injured. That leaves number four and number five, Rob Font and Jose Aldo. And there really, really isn't much happening behind them right now. Marab is on the come up, but I don't think he uh, would get thrown in there with Aldo or Font right now. Cody Garbrandt's moving down. Frankie Edgar hasn't looked tremendous. Pedro Munoz. Uh, we'll talk more about Pedro Munoz in a minute, but he wouldn't get a fight against four or five as he's coming off a loss to Aldo. 
So this Font versus Aldo matchup is the perfect um, matchup. If you look at the rankings, who's unbooked and who's booked, and it is also a perfect matchup if you look at styles and what'll make a fun fight. I guarantee you, Rob Font and Jose Aldo is going to be a great time. So I am excited for that, and that is one of those fights that um, when I talked about what the bantamweight division needed earlier. Um, a couple months ago, this was a fight I was very high on then. I'm still high on it now. So I am ecstatic that this fight was booked. Now, we had another heavyweight fight. Give Actually, we'll skip that one and we'll move back to it in a second. The last... Oh, we, we had a bunch of bantamweight fights. So we'll just go through all the bantamweight fights, actually. The next bantamweight fight that was booked was Pedro Munoz versus Dominic Cruz on December 11th. Remember that date, December 11th. Now, um, this fight also a great fight. Dominic Cruz went in there against Casey Kenny after his layoff and got back in the win column. Pedro Munoz had a great performance against Jimmy Rivera and then lost against Jose Aldo. So I think these two are in a really good spot. Pedro Munoz was in a spot where... What were we going to do with Munoz next? Because Frankie Edgar doesn't make sense. Like I just said, Cody Garbrandt's moving down. Marab doesn't make too much sense right now. So Pedro Munoz really had limited options, but so did Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz, you know, fighting Pedro Munoz saves him from having to fight another up-and-comer. So that is a positive. And Munoz is a really good litmus test for if you can go higher in the rankings. Munoz is a very talented fighter. And just looking at Jose Aldo, when Aldo beat Munoz, that really put us back onto Jose Aldo and just kind of proved once again how talented he is. And I think Dominic Cruz has a very similar opportunity to go in there and beat Pedro Munoz and show that, hey, I'm still a top five bantamweight or I'm still a top six or seven bantamweight in the world. So... That is a fight that I think makes a lot of sense. Now, the last bantamweight fight we had booked, this was booked for the same date. That's why I said, remember, December 11th. On December 11th, we've got Relina Pavia is going to take on Sean O'Malley. Pavia is currently ranked 15th in in the division, and Sean O'Malley is unranked. I think this fight also makes a lot of sense. If you're going to move Sean O'Malley into these rankings and try and get him ranked fights. I think that that uh, Pavia is a really, really good place to start. And because if you can beat him, then you can go in there with some of these other guys. And Pavia is skilled, but he isn't someone who you watch and you're just, your breath is taken aback by. Um, he, he had a very good fight with Kyler Phillips. And he won that fight. So very good performance there. And I like this booking a lot. I find it very interesting that it was on the December 11th card. And I think that just goes to show they're trying to get, they are trying to get Sean O'Malley booked up with um, someone like Dominic Cruz. Or even maybe they're interested in that Pedro Munoz fight. But I think Dominic Cruz is the reason they had that on the same day. That helps in a lot of situations. Because I guarantee you if Munoz or Cruz has to pull out, Sean O'Malley is going to step up to that main event slot. And actually, I don't know if that's a main event, December 11th, or if that's a fight night. Um, It doesn't say. 
but um, they will be more than willing to have Sean O'Malley fight Dominic Cruz or Pedro Munoz, and he's talented enough to go in there and do that. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean O'Malley ends up fighting um, Munoz or Cruz on that December 11th date, but right now, worst case scenario, he's fighting Pavia. So um, very good matchmaking and date planning by the UFC. Because if Cruz and O'Malley go in there and both have a very good performance, I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC tries to book them against one another. They'll be on the same timetable. So I'm interested to see how they um, approach that situation. And then the fight that we skipped that we're now going to circle back to, that is Augusto Sakai versus Taitui Vasa. That was booked for November 20th. And this fight has gotten moved around a little bit, but now it's set for November 20th. Augusto Sakai versus Taitui Vasa is a perfect fight as well. These two are both... Um, Augusto Sakai is ranked 10th, but um, him and Taitui Vasa has very, have very similar styles. They're going to go in there and throw. The UFC is very good at matchmaking Taitui Vasa. So Taitui Vasa versus Augusto Sakai is going to be one of those heavyweight fights that is going to be interesting, and Taitui Vasa always makes his fights a show. So I will be looking forward to that on November 20th. And then probably the wildest of all the fights we've had booked, that is Islam Makhlchev will now be taking on Dan Hooker. I don't think I can put to words how wild this is that Dan Hooker is stepping in to fight on October 30th. For those who don't know, I'm sure many know this. It is one of the you know more more talked about things as of late in the UFC world. Dan Hooker couldn't get a passport to travel to fight last week, or he, or he couldn't until the last second. He was able to get the passport, and he got on a flight on Thursday, got here on Friday, fought on Saturday, and he said, I want to fight Benil Daryush next. But the UFC calls him and says, hey, we need someone to fight on October 30th, and Dan Hooker said, you know, I don't really want to do that because I want to fly home and see my family. I've got a slip to get back in to Australia or New Zealand. I can never remember if they live in Australia or New Zealand, um, but you need a slip to get back into the country so you can quarantine in one of their quarantine hotels, and he had a date to go back and do that so he could see his family, and the UFC said, hey, we really need you, and it sounds like they made him a big offer. So it sounds like Dan Hooker is going to be a well-paid man, and he's going to fight on October 30th. Now, a one-month turnaround is one thing, but having a one-month turnaround after going through everything I just spoke through, spoke about um, that Dan Hooker had to go through, everything that he, you know, is now going to go through moving forward. He doesn't know when he's going to be able to even see his family again because it is so difficult to travel back to New Zealand after you leave the country. And he is um, going to have to fight Islam Makhlchev on one month notice, which is no easy task because Islam Makhlchev has proved to be a very talented grappler who has a big future in this division. And... On top of that, Dan Hooker hadn't trained in six weeks 
with another um, fighter. And he had to just, you know, shadow box and work out in his garage. So he doesn't, his, his grappling looked sharp in that fight. But, you know, he doesn't have the hands-on experience that you would like before fighting Islam Makhlchev. Now, let's talk about positives here. Because the one positive is he's going to be able to stay and train in the United States. And staying in the United States means he doesn't have to worry about the lockdown um, overseas. So he can um, train freely without having to worry about being shut down, without having to worry about being arrested even. And he's going to have a lot of access to a lot of really high-level wrestlers and grapplers here in America. So Dan Hooker is going to have a lot of opportunities to improve on that wrestling um, from now to October 30th. And I am thrilled to see how that fight goes. Now, in the flyweight division, we had a fight announcement. And that was Brandon Royval versus Rodrigo Bontorin. That's going to take place on January 15th. Good matchup, good matchup. Um... Brandon Royval fights are fights that are must-watches every time. Royval is fifth. Bontorin is seventh. So some very good matchmaking here. And Kaikar France is the person sandwiched between them at six. But he is going to fight Cody Garbrandt. So for both Royval and Bontorin, this is a good opportunity to pick up a win. And then you can fight further inside that top five because that top five at bantamweight or at flyweight is really starting to get backed up with Moreno and Figueredo taking that trilogy fight. Eskar Askarov is looking for a title fight. Alexandre Pantoja is looking for a title fight. Alex Perez has done some good work on um, the winner of this fight, Roy Vall and Bontorin. And then the winner of Kaikar France and Cody Garbrandt. So there's going to be a lot of names. And I think for the winner of this, they are going to have an opportunity to go in there with someone who is really high level and pick up another big win. So I think this is the type of fight that, like I said, is kind of a burst you onto the scene or to get that next big, big opportunity. So um, I think both these guys are one fight away, like I said, from doing that. So I think this fight makes a lot of sense for both guys and then the last fight was another heavyweight fight and that is Sergey Pavlich versus Tanner Bozer that's going to take place on December 4th now Sergey is the number 14 ranked heavyweight <coughs> sorry Sergey is the number 14th ranked heavyweight taking on Tanner Bozer Bozer another guy who has done some really good work outside of the rankings. And I think he has earned a shot to fight inside the rankings. If I remember correctly, this isn't his first time taking on a ranked opponent or a big name. It is not. Tanner Bowser um, has, has losses to Arlovsky and Ilir Latifi. I believe those were both ranked fights at the time, or at least um, his opponents were ranked. And then he did pick up a win over Ovin St. Prue. So anytime you beat OSP, you are putting yourself in a good position to get a ranked opponent. So I think this fight makes a lot of sense for both guys. Now, like I said, that was the last fight we had left to talk about. So what are we going to talk about now, you're asking? We're going to talk about next week. Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez. Now, 
My prediction for this fight is Mackenzie Dern via submission. There are very few fighters in the world that could fight Marina Rod- or excuse me, that could fight Mackenzie Dern. And most of the time, I'm picking Mackenzie Dern by submission. And that is no slight to Marina Rodriguez because I think she's very, 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 very talented. And I think she's one of the better fighters in this division. However, I think this is a bad stylistic matchup for her. I think Mackenzie Dern is probably going to be able to take her down early and is going to be able to submit her. But if Marina Rodriguez is able to defend the takedowns and can keep this fight standing, we've seen Mackenzie Dern, who has shown improved boxing, but we've also seen from Mackenzie Dern at times she can get a little bit into a brawl and throw some wide shots, throw some big overhands. And if she does that against Marina Rodriguez, I wouldn't be surprised if Marina Rodriguez is able to throw some straight one-twos and really connect really hard on Mackenzie Dern. So while I do have Dern by submission, I'm not trying to count out Marina Rodriguez here because she does have the talent to go in there and put on a really impressive performance, especially if she can stop takedowns. But like I said, Mackenzie Dern is just a different level of grappler, so I've got Mackenzie Dern in this fight. Now, the co-main event is Randy Brown versus Jared Gooden. I've got Randy Brown in this fight. Randy Brown really has a... If you were to look at who Randy Brown has fought, who he's lost to, he's 13-4, and four, and you you know who has Randy Brown lost to? Looking at his resume, his last three losses are coming to have come to Vicente Luque, Nico Price, and Bilal Muhammad. Two of those are ranked fighters. Nico Price is someone we talked about earlier as being a as being a very talented individual and his only other loss being to Mike Graves and that was back in 2016 and even that Nico Price and Below Muhammad loss those were in 2018 and 2017 so um in his last four he's three and four with the only loss coming to Luke so Randy Brown is a very talented individual so is Jared Gooden however I'm leaning uh, Randy Brown in this one at flyweight, we've got Tim Elliott versus Matthias Nicolau. I've got Tim Elliott in this fight. Tim Elliott's last fight was a tremendous performance and showed some tr- tremendous grappling and some great ground and pound. And um, I'd feel silly if I picked against him this fight. Not to saying Nicolau is not um, capable of winning this fight, but I just believe that... Tim Elliott is the right side if you're going to give a prediction on this one. Middleweight, middleweight, we've got Phil Hawes versus Deron Wynn. Um, really, really interesting matchup here. I probably lean Hawes in this one. Um, but once again, Wynn is a very good grappler who can go out there and get a win. You see what I did there? Nothing. Nothing too crazy going on on the prelims. Jamie Pickett is on the prelims. He's not a bad fighter. Um, in terms of prospects, which is usually what I look for uh, on the prelims, um, 
we do have Alexander Romanov, who is 14-0 at heavyweight. Um, very rarely do we see heavyweights um, coming in with this type of 14-0 resume. And even looking, three of those are UFC wins. So that's a fight I'm going to be looking forward to. I don't remember watching one of his fights before. Um, his last fight was in March, April, my bad, against Juan Espino. Um, I feel like I watched that fight, but I just don't remember. I remember watching Juan Espo fight. But um, that's another very talented uh, young heavyweight. But I'm going to keep an eye out on that fight just because I'm looking for more heavyweight talent. And um, anytime there's a heavyweight who is uh, coming up here on the scene and on the prelims, it's important to watch those talented heavyweights. So that is the one prelim fight I will be looking out for. Now, we talked about UFC Fight Night, Dern versus Rodriguez. We talked about UFC Fight Night, Johnny Walker versus... Tiago Santos, and we talked about all the fight announcements, and we talked about John Jones, so, um, and this fight card will start at 4 p.m. this week, don't forget about that, because I forgot about the early start this week, so at 4 p.m. we're getting this card, and make sure, that is my one piece of advice to everybody out there, make sure you're checking out, um, what, uh, what fights are happening when, because the start times are changing, so don't forget about that, and next week we will be back here once again to talk about UFC Fight Night, Darren versus Rodriguez, any other news that happens, so make sure you tune in next week as well, but thank you for watching this episode of the Head Kick KO Podcast. Goodbye.